That's some sensational catch. Absolutely brilliant from Hooper. Was hit back firmly by Maiello. Hammered down the ground. It could fly all the way for a maximum. It's going to soar into the sky. That's the six they needed. That's 50 for Forbrush. What a knock that is from him. Outstanding striking. And that six brings Guernsey back into the game. Could be a catch. What a catch. One-handed grab. And that's Josh Butler, the captain. Oh, my days. We have been treated to some catches in this tournament. Welcome to Under the Covers. Guernsey Cricket's very own podcast. I'm Ben Furbrush, Guernsey Cricket Development Manager. On this podcast, we will be chatting to players old and new, coaches, administrators and other cricketing keen beans along the way. On today's episode, we welcome on Guernsey's most capped player with 84 caps and 96 wickets. He was also Guernsey's captain for five years. Welcome, Jamie Nussbaumer. Okay, so welcome to the podcast, Jamie Nussbaumer. Um, a sense of deja vu here since we recorded this this time last week for only for the track to fail. Um, so yeah, we'll, let's get started anyway. What's your earliest cricket childhood memories? Hello Ben. Uh, yeah, <laughs> funny, I feel like we've had this conversation before. Um, my earliest childhood memories of playing cricket is probably um, watching my dad play for Kobo and mum would often take me and Luke down to watch him play, whether it was, you know, Victoria Avenue, um, Lamar Cartray and really, you know, I, I loved that being around all the guys, you know, I'd go in the changing room, look at all the kit and stuff, a bit of a kit badger and yeah, just, just loved it. Me and Luke down at uh, Victoria Avenue would go in all the dwits and try and find all the cricket balls that had been hit over the fence. So um, those are kind of my earliest memories and then that kind of obviously built through into starting to play club cricket and um, school cricket and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so with with school cricket, uh, you attended Cattell Primary School. Um, was cricket exactly the same as it is now? So you sort of the uh, visiting coaches came in, uh, like myself at the moment. I think you'd have probably had shambles and uh, you when you were yeah, primary school. Yeah, shambles. I mean, shambles definitely took me on a couple of tours where we kind of got to age group level. And to be honest, it's quite vastly different now to what it was then. I mean, not a lot of cricket was played in the schools. You had far fewer development coaches like yourself who kind of went in and gave specialised um, coaching sessions it was largely still back then allegedly specialised allegedly specialised back then it was just you know your normal class teacher would take you for PE whether that be rounders netball swimming but it was just the teacher right. so yeah kids nowadays are so lucky to get these individualised sports coaches into their school running these you know top draw well maybe not in your case but top draw <laughs> coaching sessions on specific specific sports because we just didn't get it back then yeah and then with that did you play Guernsey under 11 cricket because obviously with it probably not playing so much at school uh, what did that sort of look like we were, uh, we were absolutely terrible uh, <laughs> under 11s under 13s I mean you know school cricket as well I mean I've been in size that have been bowled out for 13 20 23 you know yeah, we the, did touch the on those the other week on. actually with Tony Kerr he, he he was part of that famous batting lineup. he was yeah I think Tony went on to record something like seven or eight ducks in a row uh, <laughs> during a season and uh, he's claiming it's only like three or four but he thinks it goes on every year just adds yeah, another I think, one to I think it if you get added on each year just, yeah, as I say you never, you never let the truth get in the way of a good story <laughs> um, and then you know, from there you actually went on to Elizabeth College School um with that cricket is massive at the school it still is now um how, how was that yeah it was great i mean um i i didn't pass the 11 plus so i think i was meant to be going to uh i think it's lamar dad being a massive cricket person it was just adamant that i would go to college so um yeah i was a fee payer at college or my parents were and that was nothing to do with the academics that was purely just dad wanted me to play cricket and at the time um, you know, college was the place you went if you wanted to play cricket, um, and and I 
still is you know having having the college field is you know a massive asset to them and i think they they always have had a specific schoolmaster who looks after cricket whether that was mike kinder through to annie Banerjee, through to tom eisenhuth through to yourself now and some yeah. stokes you've been involved more recently yeah, no, obviously I was as fortunate uh, to attend college. Same reasons. Uh, I think I was due to go to St. Sampson. So at year five, my parents whipped me straight out of Hoke Pals and put me in Beechwood. They didn't even give me the chance, 11 plus. <laughs> <laughs> I think they knew what was going on. <laughs> the writing is on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, with that as well, so you played age group cricket, as we mentioned. Uh, were you a captain at age group or just more of a... No, what? not to start with. To be honest, as I said, like, we were all pretty awful at that point. I mean, it was just... How, how the coaches put up with us I, I don't know why they bothered taking us away it was just shambolic to be honest um, I think uh, a good mate of mine still Charlie Allen was captain for a few years uh, Simon Delarue might have been captain at one point and so then, he obviously played Wiltshire as well Simon Delarue yeah I actually remember me and Simon went over to Wiltshire on one occasion literally for a day's training session and then I think he I think he did end up playing a few games mm. at Wiltshire Simon um, so yeah it wasn't really till I, I guess I, don't, I can't remember maybe the 15 17 stage that I started captaining um, captaining yeah yeah and then um, your role in the team was a little bit different then uh, it's changed actually since injuries which we'll get onto after but you used to be a, a keeper batter probably an opening batter actually yeah used to open the batting for school uh, and keep wicket and then kind of went on to just batting for a little point um and then kind of went full circle and started bowling and doing a bit less batting. So I've kind of, yeah, covered all bases and uh, yeah, but enjoyed all of it, to be honest. Yeah. And you mentioned there before that college are fortunate to have the likes of uh, Mike Kinder, uh, Ami Banerjee. How good was that for you? Obviously, Ami was an unbelievable cricketer uh, with, uh, albeit um, probably quite hard to understand Ami. <laughs> but yeah, with, with his knowledge of the game, must have been fantastic as captain to pick his brains. Yeah, I mean, starting with Mike, obviously a huge credit goes to Mike. You know, he was proper, still is, you know, still Mike is still the Mike that was back then 20 yeah. years ago. You know, proper old school, you know, disciplined, but everyone respected him. Just really passionate about cricket and, you know, gave us great opportunities. And then Ami kind of took charge. Um, once again, you know, just an incredible player himself. And I think whenever you're coached by a guy who you, who you watch and can see it, you know, do it so easily, you know, that really just gives you everything you just fully believe in that guy because you can see how he plays um bit a bit hard to understand and that never got easier um but yeah I, I still remember Amy you know before every college game when I was opening the batting it'd be like bomb bomb you, you'll score 100 today I was like yeah I'll, I'll try Amy you know I'll, I'll do my best more often than not definitely did not get anywhere near 100 and then he would just be kind of stood on top of the balcony at the college field <laughs> as you trudged off into the changing rooms with his arms spread out like bomb bomb what happened I was like well I tried Amy I'm sorry so uh, yeah but no he was a cracking guy Amy I think with him as well I remember a game actually where we played I'm sure it was someone like Hampton School uh, and he played and yeah. you were keeping wicket and I was first slip <laughs> and I remember every over we was getting further and further back he was getting he wasn't getting tired he was just constantly getting quicker and quicker he was one of those guys that you know, he would go through the motions a lot of time in club cricket. Um, but yeah, when someone annoyed him, he would just get quicker and quicker. <laughs> and if, you know, that wasn't working, he'd bowl left arm spin as well. Which yeah, I remember his left arm spin. <laughs> that was, was too good for me. Yeah, he was a handy <laughs> cricketer. Um, and then moving slightly further on, 2005, uh, your last year of school, I believe, um, was really like a breakthrough year for you. So you scored 75 or 48 balls uh, in the top flight of even league cricket uh, to see Kobo home against St. Pierre. And then you also became the first Elizabethan to score 100 versus Victoria College in over 16 years. Um, what was that success down to uh, and how did it sort of come about? Or was it more so the fact that 
you know, I got a good 17 at the other end against Vic to take the pressure off you. <laughs> yeah, probably the latter. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's hard It's hard to pinpoint, you know, so long ago what it was, it was at that point. Um, but I think you just, as a batter, you just go... It's, you always want to be in that bubble where batting just becomes easy and they're far and few between when that happens. But um, the college, I think I started with that, that 100 against Vic and, you know, that was a real motivation because as a college player, I'd seen that honours board for so many years. I was determined yeah. I was going to get on it, you know. And on the day, you, you get a bit of luck. Um, you make sure you get in. I think that day, we I think my dad was umpiring at one end at one point and... I think the college principal was at the other. So if I was going to get 100, that was my day. Um, I think I got dropped at one point uh, and just made it count. Um, but then that really gave me the confidence, you know, as you can imagine. You know, that was a massive moment for me. Later that week, as you said, I think I played that evening league game and Stu was probably captain at the time and said, you know, open the batting. And I, I was just so confident at the time. I just went out from ball one and just felt in great nick still. Um, and then got left out of our Kobe game on the Saturday. <laughs> I still remember, I think I was walking around and, and Big Z was there. It's like, he's not got enough runs this week, Nuzzy. I only scored about 180 runs in the week and then got left out of the Saturday. But Kobo was so strong at that point, it was you know, fully understandable. Yeah, and then with 2006, uh, saw sort of like a Guernsey under-19s team, really. Um, sort of development tour, I think we used to be called. Uh, head over to South Africa and Holland. Um, how did these come about and what do they sort of consist of? Yeah, so um, my dad has, you know, once again has, has got to take a lot of credit for that. Um, at the time, I can't remember quite what the age group went up to. It might have been under 17s, it might have been under 90s. But then we sort of had this forgotten generation where there was a gap between finishing age group cricket for Guernsey and then trying to get into the men's senior side. And there was a lot of talented guys, you know, you were in that, uh, Blaine Carapool, the War Brothers, my brother, uh, Tom Kimber, Chris Mahurndall. You know, a lot of guys who've gone on to represent the full yeah. island side now. And my dad just felt that that lot had kind of been forgotten about. So he took it upon himself to get funding um, through various sponsors to take away. I think we went to Holland twice. Uh, once, I think we went, you know, to play really good club sides. who would quite yeah. often have an overseas pro. Uh, and I think when we returned to Holland, we kind of played their age group sides. Yeah. And then we had two really great tours to South Africa. And they, they were absolutely brilliant, you know, both on and off the pitch, just you know, great memories for everyone. I think we also did um, a Scotland trip where we did the the, you know, the Scottish district. So there were about five five tours within a few years, and it just gave the guys who weren't getting much cricket a real opportunity to improve their game uh, and learn a huge amount uh, at the same time. And I think that really um, paid dividends later on. As I said, so a lot of those guys went on and played Guernsey standard cricket. Yeah, no, definitely. They were excellent tours. Uh, I haven't quite forgiven your dad for taking us to Antwerp, though. That was the only one I didn't oh, yeah, enjoy. that was not a good place. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Playing the uh, match on the football ground, which had straight boundaries about 30 metres. <laughs> I remember that guy we called Carlos Valderrama. <laughs> dot five balls and over and then just smoke a six yeah. out of nowhere. Just repeated that every over. It's just like, how is he doing this? <laughs> um, 2006, so we represent Guernsey first team for the first time uh, in an ICC European Division 2 qualifier, 50-over tournament. Uh, one, that must have been a great honour. And two, must have been a bit of a relief after a bit of a nightmare start. I think you went duck-duck and then went 46 or 50 balls against France. Um, which, back then, uh, international games, 50-over games, weren't as what they are now. You, teams weren't scoring 300. I think 200 was a good score in 2006. 
Yeah, I was, yeah it was, as I say, first tour um, with the men's side. You know, you're a bit of a rabbit in headlights. Um, I remember I was going through a few injury issues at the time. I think I'd just started bowling. I think I'd had a couple of stress fractures. I was done a bit of bowling. I hadn't really kept. And I kind of got on the tour as almost a guy who could do a bit of everything. You know, yeah. I could bowl a bit if I needed to. I could bat a bit. And if the main keeper, I think, was Matt Oller at the time, I could stand in. But the idea was I was never going to be needed. And as it turned out, Matt did get injured. And I ended up keeping a couple of games. I remember one game, I think it was um, Cyprus or Greece. And they had a couple of you know, ringer Aussies. And uh, I remember Gritchie and Freddie, it was turning big. And I missed a couple of stumpings. So I, was, I was devastated. But I was only... I guess, I don't know how old I'd have been, 19, 20 at the time. Um, obviously, as you say, batting-wise, I would have been batting lower order, I think, to start off with. So, I, yeah, if I'll take your word for it. I got a couple of ducks. And then I think the last game, the night before, we were out for a team meal and Dave Hurst was manager. And um, I think it was a bit of a dead rubber. So I, didn't think, I think we might have been relegated by that point. And he said, well, what number do you want to bat tomorrow? And I said, oh, I don't know, five. So he let me back five, and yeah, I thankfully got a few runs and showed you know that I, I could play, um, and I did kind of have some ability, which was a relief and kind of gave me that confidence, kind of coming out of that tour that I could actually do it at that level. Yeah, the, the backup keeper thing is actually something I can I can really feel uh, in touch with. When I backed up Tom Kimber in Malaysia, and he did come to me one morning and said, "I've been up all night being sick," and I was like, "Kimbo, you're playing." <laughs> I was like, "I'd rather be twelfth man than keep wicket." <laughs> So yeah, that, that's never a nice feeling when your keeper goes down. No. Um, 2007, uh, you were in the interinsular squad, only to narrowly miss out. Um, how was that? Obviously, gutting because you've had a taste of it in 2006 playing European Division Two qualifier, uh, only to miss out on the interinsular. I think that was the one at KG5 where Pete Lahegra, Blaine, and Chris Mahundle all made their debuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I remember. I remember Pete playing. Um, I, it's hard remembering exactly but I think probably at the time I was by no means a dead cert to play I think I was probably well aware of that at the time um, you know I can't quite remember the performances that led into it whether I felt I should have been in it or shouldn't have been in it but probably I shouldn't have been in it and um, just you know being in and around the squad at that point was obviously a bonus but obviously yeah of course you'd like to play but I probably wasn't ready for it at, at that time. Yeah, and then 2008 saw you go one better. Uh, you made your interinsular debut, uh, cap number 164 uh, at Grainville. Meant to be cap number 163, but thanks to our good friend Tim Ravenscroft, who phoned in sick on the morning, I actually took the honour of taking 163. <laughs> yeah, well, we had this chat the other day where we said, well, I'm pretty sure I was 143, and then you said there's about 20 forgotten cricketers somewhere, so I'm now apparently 163 or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I remember that quite well. Um, Obviously, a great privilege making your debut. Back then, it was still white, so I got yeah. the you know the famed Guernsey cream cricket jumper with the you know the green outline and yeah. the three lines. Still that got was, mine in the box yeah, under the bed. So, so I'm, I'm really chuffed to still have that. Um, I think I got a couple on, on the day bowl quite well, but I th- we were. Def- I don't think we were defending many. And I think we got. No, I think I think we got. Easily. Yeah, I think we got about one forty. I think if that, I think we really struggled that day. Yeah. Um, then into. 2008 also really sort of saw you cement your place uh, to be an ever-present from there on in. Uh, you changed your role slightly. So when we both sort of first broke into the squad, you were more of a, like we said, a reserve keeper, bowled a little bit and batted near the top of the order. Um, you then sort of changed to bowling first change uh, as a lower order batter. Um, 
You definitely impressed though. So I see European Division Two qualifying home soil. Uh, you took you bowled six overs, three for eighteen versus Germany, and then four overs, one for thirteen versus Croatia, and then you followed that up with eight overs, one for forty versus Jersey. Um, one, how did it all sort of come about the the bowling scene? And two, do you have any memories of this tournament? Um, to be honest, I don't really have any <laughs> memories of that one myself. So no, not too many of the tournament. I think the whole bowling thing came about where. Um, I seem to remember, I, I, I might be imagining this, but I seem to remember I started getting quite a lot of hamstring cramps from keeping. You know, I think it's a phase in your life where you're doing a lot of growing and yeah. it was just not quite right with my body. I was getting taller and taller. Um, I just thought, I think someone probably at some point, might have been Mike Kinder said, you know, have you, have you thought about trying bowling, Jamie? And um, I remember bowling a couple of times for Kobo and Stuart throwing me the ball and yeah. I bowled two or three overs and then... I did quite well, so next week I'd get a few more overs, and then I, I remember a game against Opti's at um, KG5, where Opti's and Kobo back then were really strong sides. People like Andy Biggins, Ban- Ami Banerjee were playing. I think I got Big C and Ami out that day uh, in a big game. It might have even been a cup final, and kind of from that on, it was like, right, well, I'm a bowler now, sort of yeah. thing. Uh, and then as it tends to happen, as you bowl more, you know, you focus less on your batting or. A lot of the time, it's more of just a, well, he's a bowler, so he doesn't bat kind of. Yeah, you know, yeah. It doesn't yeah. always add up that, well, actually, you know, I can do both. But to be honest, I was, I was quite happy just focusing on my bowling at that point. Do you put any success down to the fact that you nicked your brother off in kitchen cricket several times? Or we used to cheat to get him out? Yeah, I'm not sure how many times he was actually out. <laughs> <laughs> Ruining Judy's yeah. kitchen on the way. Yeah, Judy's uh, got a much deserved new kitchen. Hopefully, <laughs> after we absolutely smashed it to pieces with kitchen cricket, when we had a cricket net outside, she couldn't quite fathom why in the middle of summer we were uh, playing indoors in her kitchen when, yeah, anyway. Um, 2009 saw Guernsey step into a bit of an unknown territory. Uh, ICC World Cricket Leagues. Uh, we finished runner-up in World Cricket League 7. Um, how did you find that sort of step up in comparison to European cricket? Obviously, we came across Bahrain in that tournament, um, as well as various other countries. I think Japan even played in that one against us, if I remember rightly. I, I can't remember Was that the did. one in Guernsey? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Japan yeah. played. I think they had, um, I remember they had a decent Aussie, I think, left, left arm. Yes, that's yeah, right. I think yeah. it was seven for them. One yeah. Of them. Not against us, but up at the college field. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was very exciting. Um Obviously, playing teams you never played against, um, different type of cricket. You know, you played against someone like Bahrain, who had this. You know, they'd almost burn four wickets up top, just trying to smack it, and then yeah. they'd have a lot of spin. So you're kind of coming across these different challenges all the time, and um, learning on your feet a lot, um, learning about tournament cricket because quite often we were used to playing one-off games, where suddenly you were playing four games in six days or six games in eight days so you kind of had to manage your, your body and your mind as well so it was, you know it was, it was you know tiring stuff as well so you had to mentally prepare each day get up and give it give it your best again yeah and then in 2009 um you also saw us win the interinsula um impressing yourself again with figures of nine overs one for 32 what were your memories of that game uh, yeah. What was the? What was that home or away? Was that, that would have been? That, that would have been home because we were away. So that was here. Uh, I didn't play in that one. I made my debut in two thousand eight, and then I missed out in two thousand and nine. Yeah. So I, I think on that one we had got a, an okay score, two twenty odd, um, and they were coasting. You've got the scorecard there. Were they about one hundred and forty for one or something like yeah, that? Yeah. So, so yeah, one one uh, one twenty four for one. 
Uh, and then they went to 147 for four. So Yeah, they were cruising, as I say, and then we got a couple of wickets quickly, and then we just put put our foot on the throat. I remember bowling a few at the death, and yeah, no, that was a good win. We ended up winning, well, fairly comfortably in the end, 20-odd. But uh, yeah, for a long time in that second innings, we, we were behind the game, so that was a good one to win. Yeah, and then the end of that summer saw us jet off to Singapore, so our first sort of uh, away trip, if you like, for ICC cricket. Um with us finishing third in the tournament where we sort of had only just got promoted as runners-up the previous tournament. Uh, what are your memories of that one, your, our first one in Singapore? Brilliant. I mean, everyone's obviously really looking forward to it, to play in such an exotic location like Singapore. Uh, it's a brilliant opportunity. We obviously went out fairly early to acclimatise, um, played a couple of you know friendlies, got used to the heat. I mean, everyone would have told us how hot and humid it was going to be, but... We didn't fully appreciate it until I think we arrived kind of really late in the evening um, into Singapore. And even at like 11, 12 o'clock, it was absolutely roasting. We were like, oh God, like th- this is going to be tough. Um, didn't help that our kind of attache at the time, it was an English bloke who was kind of our, yeah, as I said, took us around, uh, showed us places to go sort of thing. Um, basically lambasted us on the bus for about 20 minutes on the way to the hotel saying how we weren't going to do very well and no one was going to score any runs or take any wickets because it was going to be far too hot for us so uh, yeah that kind of motivated us a bit and uh, yeah we played well that tournament to say it was well very well to say it was our first experience of those conditions against some good teams yeah no definitely it was it was tough conditions uh, I remember the outfields being horrendous like a uh, really weird grass thick grass yeah it was yeah. Um, and obviously, as as mainly in those days, I was just a fielder. I think so. Uh, you know I, I had a lot of grazing. <laughs> um, 2010, saw Guernsey retain the interinsular, defeating Jersey by six wickets away at Grainville. Uh, in the same year, we played the ICC European Division Two qualifier, and again, you impressed. Uh, figures of seven overs, one for twelve against Gibraltar, six overs, one for nine versus Israel, and then nine overs, none for thirty-six against Germany, uh, and then following that up with nine overs, two for twenty-six versus France. Um, did you feel about the sort of step up to World Cricket Leagues helped you uh, find more consistency or more rhythm, etc. Uh, dropping back down. I say back down, you know, there's still teams in there who, who are solid teams into European cricket. Yeah, I think once you've been to that World Cricket stage, you almost feel like coming back into uh, European cricket. Although, as you say, they're still very dangerous players and dangerous teams. You kind of felt like, you know, one of the big boys that we'd walk out. I mean, at that time, it helped. we had a very good team as well. You know, you had the likes of Frithy, Gritchy, Sav, Stu, GH, all in their prime. Um, you know, good some good youngsters coming through as well. That we, we were in a really good place as a team. Then we were settled. Everyone knew their role. Um, so we were we were a confident team. I think at one point I can't remember what quite what point it was that that team went. I think 15, um, 50 over games uh, undefeated. So we we were a confident team. We, we yeah we were a good team at that point. So yeah, coming back down into the, the domestic well not domestic but the European leagues, we yeah we thoroughly expected to do well. Yeah, and then with that, 2011 saw the introduction of T20 competitions as well for Guernsey again at a European level. Um, impressive figures once more. So 3.2 overs, three for seven against Norway. Four overs, two for 21 against Austria, your other home nation. Uh, and then three overs, two for 21 versus Italy. Um, this That was the T20 tournament which was played in Guernsey. Yeah. Um, so this, the same tournament you actually contributed with a, with a bat as well. So some handy lower order runs that you had a couple of like 20 not outs off, off not very many balls. Um, what are your memories of that tournament? Yeah, I remember a few bits. Uh, for example, I think I think we lost to Austria. We lost to either Austria or Germany in the morning, which we really should have beaten. I mean, they were they weren't great teams, and basically it meant we then had to beat 
Italy in the afternoon at Port Swath, who are actually a really decent team because they're you know Aussies, South Africans, Sri Lankans, they're, they're a strong side. And to be honest, the, the pitch that day was one of the best pitches I've ever played on in the Channel Island. John Mountford had done a tremendous job. It was an absolute road. And I think we got 170 or 180. Ravo got a few runs. And then we defended it well. I think they fell 10 or 20 short. So it was a really good game, just a high-quality game of cricket. Um, but even saying that, I think that's the same tournament that we then were up against it against Gibraltar. And if I if correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was when Meansy got a twenty or thirty cameo at the end. I think I was with him at the end actually, um, and we ended up winning that game thanks to Meansy. And from there, it kind of opened up our path in ICC cricket. Um, I think if we hadn't got you know did what we did in that tournament, our cricketing outlook could have been very different. So um, yeah, we've got a lot to thank Meansy for on that day. Yeah, and then sort of, as you said, like 2010, we had a really good team. Um, it sort of seemed like it was a team that we were just building towards the future. 2011 sort of topped that again. Um, so we defeated Jersey by 147 runs at the KG5 in the Interinsula. Uh, and then you actually only went on to bowl four overs in that game. Um, I think it was quite a, looking at the scorecard, must have been a spin-friendly pitch because uh, Savs didn't also bowl many either. Um, we then travelled to Malaysia for World Creek League 6. Um, again, notable performances, uh, 14 off six balls at the back end against Fiji, eight overs, five for 35 versus Q8, uh, then picking up your maiden five for and man of the match for Guernsey um, against, uh, sorry, that was against Q8, so eight, five for 35. Um, and then against Nigeria, the game was actually uh, washed out, but you were 10 overs, two for 21 with us massively on top. Um, one other memory of that tour, was the final so the final we played Malaysia um, sort of way out of the game uh, not looking like we were going to ever win that game um, Tom Kimber brought us home with, with an excellent 80 um, and then you also got an important, very important 17 not out uh, in the final so a ninth wicket partnership of 50 which I can't imagine Guernsey have had too many of those what are your yeah, memories of that? Yeah to be honest that's probably the tour I remember best out of all of them it was just a, an awesome tour for you know obviously helps if you, you win the tournament but once again going away to a place like Malaysia the heat humility you know you're already up against it um, obviously my performance against Kuwait I, you know, I was delighted with that we were once again kind of staring down the barrel and Stu brought me back quite late late at the end and I, I thankfully picked up three or four um, and then we got back on top of the game and won that one um, I remember the Nigeria game I think at one point me and Sav were bowling to test match fields I think we had like four slips and a gully at one point but yeah as you say unfortunately it, we had the most almighty thunderstorm and uh, as often did games got washed out over there yeah um, and then yeah the final uh, once again you know to say it was right at the back end of the tournament we'd, we'd put in a great bowling performance again restricting to Malaysia to 210 or something like that um, but yeah, we're, we're a bit up against it with the bat. I think we were about 60 for seven at one point. Um, but then Hoops uh, put in, I think Hoops got 45 that day and often gets forgotten about. Um, and Kimbo, obviously, you know, the heroics of was it 87 not out. Um, and yeah, obviously I, I was lucky to be there at the end, but it was Hoops and Kimbo had really done, done the hard work and got us over the line. So, I mean, that was an awesome feeling winning that tournament. Um, it, yeah, it just... Couldn't, couldn't get better than that, really. Yeah, and then we actually went across to uh, Singapore for the next one at IC World Cricket League 5. Um, putting a nail in Bahrain's coffin, I think, is as it can be. They were sort of our rivals for sort of three or four years uh, for various reasons. 
Um, again, you picked up a fifer, uh, six overs, five for nineteen, um, which is incredible figures. Um, we bowled them out for forty nine. Uh, and then we knocked it off uh, one down and losing GH at the top of the order, which, I mean, that game was... It's quite a funny story behind that game, actually, as well. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> what a great start. Uh, I was I was taking the new ball, which I never really liked to do, but I think Sav wasn't playing that game. And I think Bahrain, the pitch was a bit juicy, and Bahrain, I think, had seen Sav wasn't playing and thought, you know, they were too good for us, they would just bat. And uh, obviously, events turned out slightly different for them. Uh, and we never really liked Bahrain, so to thrash them like that was very pleasing. Um, uh, and there were the two funny things were that we literally knocked off the winning runs. We were sat down for lunch, and it absolutely hammered it down with rain. <laughs> and the other bet bit about this, as he quite often did during the tournament, was our, I don't know, press liaison officer, Aaron <laughs> Schoons, who was meant to be doing live feeds to the people back home, but would constantly turn up about two hours late to the games because he'd been out the night before and got home at about 4am and then would blame internet issues as to why he hadn't <laughs> fed anything back, turned up and said, uh, you, what's, what's going on here, boys? Uh, we've won, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, honestly, we're delayed start. No, no, Aaron, uh, we've won. Oh! <laughs> so he just saw his look of panic as he quickly got his laptop out and had to once again blame Wi-Fi issues and then tell everyone we just just won. So yeah, that was the same tournament where uh, I think we ended up finishing fifth, I believe, in a playoff match at the end. Uh, we beat um, Cayman Islands by one run. If you remember, uh, Hoops came on to bowl at the end and just kept them bowling half volleys. <laughs> it was so trying, we does. <laughs> trying to get us hit out of the tournament. Yeah. I think it was trying to lose it for us. Um, but yeah, no, that was a, a tight tournament, actually. It was, it was a great one to be involved with. Um, Following on from from that one, there was a bit of a change in Guernsey cricket. So uh, Andy Cornford uh, stepped down as as head coach. Um, you know, he sort of took the side where he thought was as far as he could go. Uh, and then actually, shortly after that, Stuart Leprevo also stepped down. Um, so we had a big change at the sort of the end of that year, 2012. Um, 2013 was again sort of that transition stage. So uh, Nick Pothus took the role as head coach, ex Hampshire, and uh, obviously played the the one international for South Africa as well. Um, you were also pointed to captain. Um, how did you find that? Obviously, uh, you know how fond I am of Skeg as a coach and as, as a bloke as well. Yeah, um, obviously, I was delighted to be given the captaincy. I think I'd been kind of groomed for a couple of years leading up to that. Um, I'd, I'd started captaining the Kobo side, even though I think Stu was still Ireland captain. Yeah. So that was kind of part of the process of getting me ready for it. But at the same time, you know, it wasn't ideal timing. I'd, I'd have loved it if... Stewart stepped down as captain but continued playing for a bit which he was clearly good enough to do but um, he he decided it was his time to go and then obviously a change of coach um, Pass, you know it's kind of gone full circle now with Passy getting back involved with Guernsey Cricket which is great um, as you say Skeg came on board um, it was you know, a great challenge a breath of fresh air he had to come straight out of a professional cricket environment straight into our environment um, was very keen to get the guys a lot fitter you know pick a much younger squad so we then kind of went through a couple of years of transition trying to find our feet again after a very successful stint under pasty yeah and then with 2013 saw you captain guernsey for the first time in a tournament uh this time an icc t20 division one qualifier uh in sussex um we had a very young side then so uh, i fortunately didn't make that side uh or the squad um there was only six players from the previous competition we played in which the one in singapore who actually made that squad. So six out of 14 is, isn't uh, yeah. a huge retention of players. 
Yeah, yeah, and that and that's why for a little while we did struggle just because we. I mean, we probably had an average age squad of twenty, twenty one at the time, and it was it was ridiculously young. Um, but Skeg, you know, and you know, to some extent myself, we just felt that if we were going to move forward, now was the best time to make these tough decisions so that hopefully pay off pay off in the long run, which they eventually did when we won won the intrinsic again a, a year or two later. Yeah, and then 2013 also saw us fall agonisingly close to the Interinsula. Um, you opened the batting that day. Um, oh, sorry, opened the bowling that day and batted at three as well. Um, how was that? And was that a case of sort of Skeg saying, look, you're definitely good enough to be at the top of the order? Yeah, in fairness to Skeg, I mean, he was a big believer in my batting, uh, which was you know great to have that confidence. I think I was always wary that I was either opening or bowling first change at the time and captaining, so to bat top order as well was quite a big ask. And... I probably wasn't quite as good as I think Skeg thought I was. Um, <laughs> but I think that day it was just about um, we'd agreed that Skeg wanted me to go in if we'd lost a wicket in the first 10, which we did that day. And if we got outside the first 10, the plan was for Freddie to go in. But uh, we got off to a really good start. I think I got out at, well, we were 85 for one, chasing 190-odd. Um, and I annoyingly hit, hit an extra cover drive straight to short extra cover and still kicked myself to the day. So I got out on... 30 odd and uh, you know should have gone on to get a big score and, and taking the team home but in the end we um, just collapsed unfortunately and lost the game yeah I think that's one of Skegg's things as well is uh, one he didn't mind if you got out playing your shots uh, and two he'd, he'd hated it if you got out in the 20s and 30s if you got out on one he wouldn't mind because he said you weren't set you know you're still trying to find your way or one to ten sort of thing but he said if you get to 20 you're really yeah. set which was kind of like a change in sort of mindset for a lot of the players I found anyway yeah, and I guess from especially my point of view, and to be batted a long time, you know, regularly batted up the order, you get used to building those innings. Where I think I'd still very much been used to batting lower order, and you know, you've got limited time to bat. It's it's a different mindset to suddenly go and create an innings and bat for hours and yeah. you know twenty thirty overs and set your stall out. Um, so yeah, that's something that yeah I've, I've never quite cracked because just because I, I think I've just probably batted everywhere from one to eleven uh, <laughs> yeah. over the years and yeah still do to this day. Yeah, no, excellent. Um, we'll take a quick short break if you want to go and check on your little boy who's sleeping. <laughs> You're listening to Under the Covers, Guernsey's very own cricket podcast. We'll be back after the short break. Bowled him, beautiful bit of bowling from William Peatfield. The stump comes crashing out the ground, and that's a big wicket here in Guernsey versus Denmark at the KG5. That's the first wicket. Letizier is the one who strikes. He gives it a big celebration. He writes it up in the book. He notes it down and sends them off. You can add Manpreet Singh to that list. That's the breakthrough Letizier needed. That's the breakthrough Guernsey needed, and that's the breakthrough that Mark Ladder to my left wants a big smile on his face. And a wonderful shot there. Have a drive for four. Stokes already finding the boundary twice in this game. So moving on to 2014, uh, we travel back to Malaysia for World Cricket League 5. Again, your role is slightly different. Uh, you bowled first change rather than opening. Again, still impressing with very tidy bowling. Uh, unfortunately for us, it was a bit of a poor tournament and it cost us relegation from uh, World Cricket League 5. How did you find that sort of captaincy, uh, like we just touched on there, batting, bowling, and also managing a very, very young side. That was probably the most challenging part of my captaincy stint. Um, as you say, we had a very young side. I felt that I very much had to perform on the field as one of, you know, despite I was only in my mid-twenties at the time, but I was very much a senior player. 
was the captain, so my performances were key. Um, but there was a lot of kind of man management off the field. I mean, for example, you know, we've always roomed together, but on that tour yeah. we would split up because we were each given one of the younger players to basically <laughs> look after. Yeah. I remember so, I had to babysit Renault. Yeah, and I had heat field, so you know, it <laughs> was, know which it was one's those worse. kind of things that you never really switched off. Because and a lot of these young guys had it was their first senior tour. They didn't quite know how to not behave, but how to. Um, manage their time off the field shall we say a lot of them were staying up till one two in the morning yeah. going to like gaming arcades and stuff it's like guys come on you know we're here to play cricket this is serious stuff now this isn't you know one of your youth yeah, tours yeah. where you can do yeah. what you want you know we're here to play cricket you're representing guernsey so it was kind of drilling those disciplines into the guys whilst also going out and focusing on your own game and, and trying to perform and yeah we got relegated i mean it could have gone another way i remember we Early on, we played, I think, Cayman, bowled them out of 140-odd, with 90 for two, managed yeah. to lose that game somehow. Um, in Nigeria, we lost in the last over, so um, it could have gone very differently, unfortunately, and the results tell a different story. Yeah, with that, obviously frustrating times, 2014, but we were again rebuilding and building to the future. 2015 was sort of where everything clicked, I feel. Um, probably your best year as, as captain. Uh, we we performed well in the ICC um, European Division One fifty over qualifier in T uh, twenty sorry qualifier in Jersey, uh, narrowly missing out in the final. Um, we actually ended up finishing fourth on uh, net run rate, so it shows how close we were to, to qualifying. Um, and then we actually, you know, defeated Jersey by five wickets at Portsmouth. Uh, that must have been a huge honour lifting the the Interinsular Trophy. It was. It de- it's definitely a memory that still sticks out today. Unfortunately, I only got to do it once, but. You know, it doesn't make it uh, you know, any less of a proud of a moment. I mean, it was just one of those times in your career that you always cherish. Um, it was, as you say, we'd been building to that point, and it was it was the first time in a long time where we arrived at the ground and looked around the dressing room and just saw the guys in the team and just thought, yeah, we're going to beat these yeah. guys today. I, you know? I, I remember walking in that day. It was you and me were first on the ground, and I was just unpacking some kit in the dressing room. And you came in and said, "What's your thoughts?" And I said, "Oh, we're going to stuff them today." And you said. Yeah, I completely agree. And it was like almost just like a foregone conclusion that we're yeah. going to just win that game. Like it just, it just found, felt so right. It just right. Yeah. written in the stars. It just yeah. yeah, it's one of those days you just walk onto the field, just almost expect you, you expect we expected to win that day, and I think that always puts you in a good good place. Yeah, and then again we went uh, one better, if you like. Uh, in later on that year, I believe it was uh, we won World Cricket League six in the end by sort of default because uh, Suriname filled ineligible players. Um, you led from the front again, so four overs, one for seven versus Fiji. Uh, you were part of the team that posted 313 against Botswana at Frinton-on-Sea, uh, at the second highest score ever by Guernsey. Uh, and then in the semi-final, you bowled 10 overs, one for 31. Um, like I said, unfortunately, we went down in the final to Suriname, but actually, I think uh, about eight of their players were, were meant to be playing. So, yeah, we, we got given the title in the end. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. So we've beaten Suriname in the group games. Yeah, um, yeah. And we got, I think, to the penultimate game against Norway, which we needed to win to get into the final. And it was one of those days where we've been playing so well all tournament. And we got skittled for about 170 on quite a small ground and a decent pitch. And we're like, oh my God, like, what have we done here? Like, we're putting all this hard work. We're going to give it away at the last hurdle. And then thankfully, we, you know, we had a really good balling performance that day and, and called ourselves out of uh, the mire. And yeah, yeah, that Suriname game, I think in the final... Um, I think that was the one I, I went down you went off injured, injured. Yeah. yeah I got a side strain after a few overs um, and yeah as I say we, I mean, we lost on the day but kind of that hollow victory that 
they'd obviously fielded quite a few players that shouldn't have been there and we got the uh, yeah the trophy in the end yeah so actually the the um Norway game you spoke about we, like you said we'd come off the back of posting 313 um and then had a bit of a, a nightmare in that in that uh, semi-final we were four for one uh, and then we were um 91 for five uh so a real struggle to get along the way uh, we managed to get ourselves up like you said to 173 uh, and then we actually ended up winning the game by by 20 odd runs so uh they, they had a little partnership as well um so they went from uh 95 for six to 140 for eight so yeah they were back in the game as well it was kind of like nip and yeah amazing away, that but... day to say we we're you know only defending 170 what we did really well is we had we actually managed to bring run rate back into it normally in games like that it's a case you just got to bowl them out but we bowled so well and so tightly that yeah. we actually managed to get it back up to a run of ball again at one stage so it almost gave us two options to win the game um, which obviously came in handy yeah, and then um, following on from there, we actually entered the Sussex Premier Leagues, uh, Division 2. Um, Red Bull cricket, again, white clothing. Uh, do you feel that helped as a team? And also, what are your memories from, from there? Yeah, I, I think it did help. I think at that point in uh, Guernsey cricket, we were trying to get that exposure more regularly to decent cricket because just the, just the format of the ICC, you, you kind of feast or famine. You know, you obviously have a cram-packed couple of weeks of tournament cricket and then probably not another tournament maybe that yeah. year even so like the Raiders and GFC have done we were just trying to find more regular cricket and it seemed like the best option was through this this Sussex League it wasn't ideal just because obviously when we play ICC cricket coloured kit white ball all the fielding restrictions then we went to playing red ball whites you know declaration no fielding restrictions um, it was just a very t- different type of cricket but you know, it had plenty of positives. A, just playing good level of cricket. Um, you know, got the boys, you know, bonding. You know, regularly playing yeah. together. Um, so yeah, there were definitely positives and and negatives. I mean, it, it didn't help that we couldn't always get our best teams out because we'd go over on a Sunday first thing, then wouldn't return till Monday first thing. So guys wouldn't be able to get to work till maybe ten a.m. on the Monday, which obviously had an effect on availability. So I think the first year was a mismatch you know mix and match and we didn't show our best cricket and then if you went back the second year going no we've got a point to prove here and I think we won the majority of our games and actually showed that we were a decent side yeah so that I mean that was a big driving force behind that was Nick Pothas obviously like we said Uh, he didn't actually see the first year Um, he left in 2015 and was replaced by Ash Wright Um, how was that time Uh, and what are your memories of sort of uh, Skeg leaving and Ash arriving sort of thing yeah, I think we were always aware that Skeg was never going to be around for the long term. He had, you know, big ambitions to go up up the coaching ladder to you know, ultimately want to get into coaching one of, one of the big teams, which which he has has done in different roles with the likes of Sri Lanka and I think West Indies has been. Actually. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Ash came in obviously at the same time as Sussex League, which is great because obviously Ash coming from Sussex, he, he knew a lot of the grounds, knew a lot of the players. Um, Ash absolutely, yeah cracking guy uh, got on got on with him very well and uh, yeah it kind of just started a new chapter in, in Guernsey cricket yeah and then Ash's first tournament uh, was a World Cricket League 5 in Jersey um, we defeated uh, Vanuatu in a rain affected game Tanzania and Nigeria to get to the playoff game versus Vanuatu um, we defeated them by 19 runs to secure a place in World Cricket Leagues um, I mean that was a, a huge tournament uh, not only for Guernsey cricket in terms of where we sat on the World Cricket League 
scale and, and funding, um, but also a, a great tournament for yourself as captain. Yeah, uh, I remember that one quite well. And as you say about the funding, you know, it seemed we'd go into every tournament being told that we had to do well or we we're going to lose about 100 grand in funding. So that was just the kind of yeah motivation we needed when walking onto the field. Um, I think the running joke was, hoops will be out of a job on Monday if we yeah, lose. Yeah, <laughs> not sure that was related to the funding. Or just, um, and yeah, it got once again, as it always does with Guernsey cricket, into a bit of a nail biter. Uh, we turned up at Farmers to play Vanuatu in that playoff. And... Um, I think it was quite a misty, murky morning. We were put into bat, two down early on, and then Newey and Stokesy put on a really good partnership. Mm. We got up to a competitive score that we thought was good enough and, um, yeah, managed to defend it. But it, it was nipple-tuck all the way. I believe I may have expletive a few F-bombs on the field at one point, <laughs> uh, which I later had to apologise to because I think they were quite audible at the, uh, the level of which they were being. <laughs> I think the, uh, sort of, uh, the winning moment was... If I'm right, I think Luke bowled the ball and you caught it. Yeah, no, that uh, was, so was yeah, quite, that quite was a nice moment. Yeah, that was a nice. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice moment. Yeah, and then with that, um, 2017 saw us playing the next stage of that tournament, uh, going across to South Africa um, to Benoni. Uh, unfortunately, not as successful this time. Uh, we lost out to Germany on a fifth or sixth playoff match. Um, what were your memories of that tournament? Uh, for me, it was just the outfields were. <laughs> in like bare bone it was just literally burnt grass yeah it was i mean we sound spoiled but it wasn't the most enjoyable trip to be honest um you know when you hear saffron you think oh yeah cape south lovely yeah. and it's like no you're in benoni which we were basically staying in like a motorway hotel in the concrete jungle uh i remember walking into our room and we were like <laughs> right above the outside bar with like music playing yeah. we ended up changing room and then as you say, the grounds, we, there was no changing facilities. You were literally in like a, a tent without any sides. Um, the ground, yeah, I mean, it was just like dirt and mud and a bit of grass, um, baking hot. And we weren't playing great cricket at the time. Once again, we were kind of in that transition period. Uh, we didn't have a settled team. Kept chopping and changing to try and find the right formula. And, and yeah, it resulted in a, in a disappointing, um, disappointing finish, really. And uh, subsequently, that was... Well, subsequently my, my last game for Guernsey because after that point um, I, I did my knee and, and yeah haven't haven't put on a shirt since so that that's a, definitely not the way I, I want to finish the story basically yeah so following that tournament as you touched on there um, you actually stepped down as captain um, why was it at that stage you decided to step down was it just a case of the uh, you know age isn't wasn't one thing surely because you were probably late twenties then I think. Uh, I would have been. So what? What year was that? That was two thousand and seventeen. Seventeen. So uh, yeah. So I'd have been. I'd have been thirty then. Um, so it wasn't. It was. A, it was a number of factors. I th- I'd done the job for five years. Um, I think at that point, it you know, as a bowler, I think it's different as a bowler to a batsman. As a bowler, playing tournament cricket where you are playing you know not only probably the six games in eight days of the tournament but you've been actually been there a few days early and played a couple of games leading into it so you're kind of playing eight games in 11 or 12 days it, it does get you know tiresome on the body I was starting to pick up more and more niggles which were lasting longer and I just felt that that part of it was you know you needed your captain on the pitch every game and I was at that point where it would have been quite nice to actually just get a little one game break in amongst the tournament just so I was constantly playing at my best yeah. um, and you know other little things I just felt that 
you know the team needed a fresh voice um, and you know I was kind of looking forward to actually just playing for so long whether it be for Guernsey or Kobo from probably the age of 19 or 20 I'd been captaining sides and I was looking forward to just having that end part of my career which unfortunately has never happened of just actually walking out into the field and just concentrating on my own cricket without you know, worrying about the caps yeah. or worrying about this or that. So it just it just felt like a watershed moment where that was the right time to stand down. And as I say, luckily I did because uh, <laughs> I haven't played since <laughs> because of my knee. <laughs> you made one good decision in your last game. Actually, you threw me the ball against against oh, Germany, and I took a, an international wicket. So well, I mean, that sums up why I quit. <laughs> um, like we said, we touched on it there. Twenty eighteen, not a great year in terms of injuries. Uh, you did your ACL whilst trying to just maintain a bit of fitness uh, playing football at, at the KG5 uh, and then not only to make it bad you also did it again uh, rehabbing it this time yeah I, yeah I did it playing football in the April I had it operated on in the September did it again in the February which then I had done in the June so that was literally just like that two years of cricket gone and then obviously this season just gone with the whole Covid thing and just yeah. still trying to work my way back into things with very limited cricket it's yeah, been kind of three three long years now with no no Guernsey cricket, which has obviously been disappointing. Um, but I'm still motivated to to get back. Hopefully, um, all things going well next season. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you've you've been at uh, every every single fitness session we've done. You, I really, ev- I really ev- enjoy my fitness <laughs> sessions. That's why. Yeah, ev- everything we've gone to is uh, you've been there. Um, just to finish, a uh, couple of quick questions. Uh, who's the quickest bowler you've ever faced? remember all the names but I think the one that you know definitely comes to mind is Amjad Khan obviously played test cricket for England um, yeah. he was playing for Denmark against us at Blackstone which is quite a quick pitch um, I think I think Max Ellis <laughs> according to Max Ellis hit him for six that day although I'm pretty sure he didn't um, so yeah he, he was he was sharp hit the pitch hard bowled a heavy ball so yeah he, he that was sort quick. of slingy action as well yeah. where his front leg was very high and then slammed into the pitch yeah. and no matter who he was playing for he was one of those he you know, you get some quick, so you just like go through the motions. But yeah. he was like every day, he like yeah. he put it in, like he wanted to bowl quick every day. And then, who was the toughest bowler you faced? Um, probably we obviously used to play Sussex quite a lot. They brought over. Well, I remember one trip they had Will Beer and Michael Rippon. Yeah, yeah. And Will was bowling. Was it right arm leg spin? Yeah. Bowling googlies, and Michael Rippon was bowling left arm. China, China man. Yeah. bowling. I mean, literally, I did, no one knew what was going on that day. Yeah. Like we were just in a world of trouble and just being embarrassed by both of them, to be honest. Yeah, well, he's just played some uh, New Zealand A games, so he's uh, obviously learnt a lot over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, who's who's the hardest bowl, uh, hardest batter you've ever had to bowl at? Oh, there's been plenty of good ones. I think if I just look locally, because to be honest, it, I, I struggle to remember all of them over the years. But locally, it's probably GH. Um, GH is a guy that. I think he he relishes the challenge of you know if you're a Guernsey bowler like, yeah. that's a great challenge to him and he just wants to take you down like he will smack you he'll just try and smack you from ball one yeah. so we've had a couple of good battles over the years um, he's a tough guy to bowl against simply because if you bowl it in his half he'll whack you over your head you bowl it shorter he absolutely loves a cut shot and he's happy to hook and pull as well so the margin of error when he's on his day are, are very small indeed yeah and then the best ground you've played out in the world 
it's been I've played, we've played at a couple of pro grounds but to be honest it's I actually prefer the smaller intimate grounds like the Frinton on Sea when we yeah. played in Essex that was a lovely ground had a lovely little bar there as well which is always important and to be honest my number one ground still to this day is is the college field I just I love the you know I think you're always biased when you come through college cricket but um just love it you know the tree surrounding the old pavilion the lush yeah. green grass it's just a beautiful place to play cricket yeah, and then your favorite memory in cricket Oh, I can give you one uh, off the top of my head. Um, Hundred versus Vic will always be special to me. Getting my name on the honours board, obviously making Inchinchilla debut, yeah. um, winning the Inchinchilla as captain, you know, lifting that trophy, and then probably that that Malaysia win. I couldn't really separate those four very easily. Those are yeah, my top four. Yeah, we've obviously been very fortunate as well to work with uh, some fantastic coaches. Is there one that? just nips it for you and, and is sort of at the top of the pile so your favourite coach I, yeah, I'm not trying to sit on the fence I've, I've got on brilliantly well with all of them um, thoroughly enjoyed you know past you know, getting on with Pasty and working with Pasty with Ash with Skeg and all the other coaches in and around that have come over like Steph Jones uh, Grubby or um, Finchie you know there's been loads over, yeah. over the years Um Different, you know, different characters as well. I think technically the best one I work with, and not saying he's just the best coach, but he's just one that I particularly found useful for my game was Skeg. Yeah, I just felt that he was someone that you would you'd go in a net, you'd hit three balls, and he'd be like, right, out you come, and he'd do a drill with you for ten, twelve balls. You go right back in the net, you go, and you just felt like a million dollars yeah. all of a sudden. He could just see things so quickly, and not. It's easy. I think it's always easy as a coach to say what's going wrong. The hard bit's actually correcting yeah. it, and he he did that very. He made put that over to you in a very simplistic way that made it easier yeah, for you I, to change. I think his big thing, Skeg, was never massive on tech technical about how you should hold the bat and everything like that although he did change that on me um, he just sort of worked with your strengths and made them even better and then tried to make those things you weren't so good at on, on par yeah. uh, the other thing with Skeg is he, he just bought into everything didn't he Like I remember him absolutely beasting himself at fitness sessions when your coach doesn't need to be doing those fitness sessions but it yeah. certainly motivated us guys to yeah <laughs> to he, and that was he really drove that when he came across you know the fitness levels of the squad just increased massively but he he led from the front um, yeah I remember being in that gym at what, 5.30 in the morning yeah. you know three four times a week yeah. and it was horrible but you know it made us better because we were all so much fitter for it yeah no excellent and thank you very much for coming no along worries, and uh, for doing it twice actually <laughs> there won't yeah. be a third time <laughs> so you better record this one <laughs> no thank you very much cool cheers mate thank you for listening to the Guernsey Cricket Podcast remember to hit the subscribe button and keep listening